Welcome to this week's episode of Atlantic Tales, when we'll hear about the development of the Inishkaltra Visitor Experience, a landmark tourism project currently under development on the shores of Loch Derg in East Clare. Inishkaltra, or Holy Island, on Loch Derg in East Clare, is one of Ireland's best known and most significant monastic sites. Its many attractions include a well-preserved round tower, the ruins of no less than six churches, and a bargaining stone where marriage vows are still renewed to this day. The island is associated mainly with St. Cayman, who died in 653 AD, but Brian Baru, the last High King of Ireland, was also connected with the site. Pilgrims have travelled from all over the world to visit Inishkaltra, and before long a dedicated visitor centre will be available to the public. Work on the facility, which will be based in the former rectory in Mount Shannon, is currently underway. Dr. John Tracy is Acting County Heritage Officer with Clare County Council. Hugely significant in the wider ecclesiastical historiography of Ireland. A site in pretty much continuous use since around the 6th century it's estimated. Very, very significant from the standpoint that there are six churches on the island for location that's only 50 acres in total area and very, very significant in the burial and death culture of the area. A very wide range of historic and contemporaneous burials that take place on the island for the people of Mount Shannon. And in fact, the meaning of the name Inishkaltra itself translates to Island of the Burials, or also known as uh, Island of the Monastic Cells. Now, the scale of the churches obviously varies from, you know, very, very small, effectively prayer cells, up to the, the largest of the structures in St. Caymans. And I suppose the strategic importance of it as a monastic site is demonstrated with the Round Tower, although it is highly likely that the Round Tower was actually never completed because the site was excavated in the 1970s by Professor de Puer from University College Galway and he found no indication of conical stones that would suggest that the roof was ever actually finished, which is interesting in its own right, especially in the context of some of the other round towers that we see locally, including the one at Scattery Island. The round tower is very visible from the shoreline, but what else is visible still on the island? So the vast majority of the churches are still extant to some degree or another. Um, obviously St. Caymans being the most substantial. There's somewhere around 80 recumbent graves, so different types of grave effigies like box tombs, slabs, stone crosses. In addition to that, there is a section that has, was identified by Professor de Puer in the 1970s as a Kylene or children's burial ground, which is located to the northeast of the island. And in addition to that, it is a, quite a pristine biodiversity location with a huge range of native flora and fauna and some absolutely beautiful forest groves of native Irish trees. It's really a, it's a wonderful place to get to visit and it's a place I got to, to visit on a regular basis in my previous role with the Burial Grounds Unit and it was always a very nice site survey to carry out. Speaking of Scattery, a lot of comparisons can be made between the two, the Round Tower, the number of churches and so forth. Yeah, they're roughly contemporaneous. I mean, the both locations appear to have fallen in and out of use, I suppose. The heyday, for want of a better word, for Inishkaltra was between 
6th and 7th century into about the 13th century. Um, Scattery Island might be just a little bit later, but you know, you're, you're talking about roughly contemporaneous. I think what's really important is the site locations. Uh, the fact that both of these very, very important locations are on the Shannon, and it just demonstrates the huge strategic importance of the River Shannon in the wider Irish historical, political and ecclesiastical climate. It proves a, a 20th century coined phrase by General Michael Brennan that he who controls the Shannon controls the West and this is absolutely true when you see the selection of sites and obviously with Scattery Island, crucially important location for pilotage of the Shannon and access up to the city of Limerick as well. It's St. Senan we associate with Scattery. It's St. Cayman who's synonymous with Inish Caltra. That's right, yeah, St. Cayman is associated and obviously there's a very strong association with Brian Baru. It suggested that Brian's brother was the abbot on the site in Inish Caltra as well. And I think the the connection to the local community is very, very important to keep in mind the fact that there are still active areas of contemporaneous burials taking place shows the very, very strong connection between the people of Mount Shannon and the wider area to Inish Caltra in uh, their own local community history and heritage, as well as it being a site of significant national importance. It is a wonderful site and people can visit the site but 50 acres it's hard to believe that it is that big but on site then what work do you guys have to do in preparation for the big plans for Inish Caltra? The significant plans on the island itself is the less is more approach. Uh, it is significantly non-interventionist approach as has been suggested by our colleagues at the National Monument Service and obviously the nature and scope and scale of the works considering the very very significant archaeological importance of the site is really defined by the archaeological best practice which is usually specified by uh, the archaeology team at the National Monument Service. Where do we get our information from? How much of the history of Inish Cantra was documented? Yeah, so there's a very wide range of potential sources and repositories. There has been a significant amount of work done. However, I think a lot of that work may just be the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there's going to be a wide range of repositories such as the National Library of Ireland. There's also going to be some range of material that's available in the United Kingdom archives and obviously ecclesiastical records would play a hugely important part in that so feasibly you could see research taking place at the likes of the Vatican archives and the various canonical archives that we have in Ireland. There's a detailed uh, interpretive plan that's under preparation at the moment. I think there's a huge opportunity for young people in County Clare who have an interest in history, geography, archaeology to invest themselves when they think about third level education that there are huge opportunities for research into these specific areas across a wide range of different topics. I think it will be a very beneficial outcome from the development of the centre that we might see greater levels of engagement and research carried out on the site and the wider ecclesiastical history of County Clare. It's hugely important, John, that people get to hear the story of Inish Caltra and people will be able to visit, but there may be a concern that it's going to be 10 or 12 boats and thousands of people. That's not going to be the case. 
Absolutely not. It's very, very important to, to understand the deep commitment that Clare County Council has to the sustainable development of the facility for Inish Caltra. And I think that's embodied in the fact that the, the visitor centre itself is distinct from the island site itself. There is a minuscule level of intervention interference on the island, very little beyond what's already in place uh, while the island was under OPW protection, uh, which is still, uh, you know, certain elements of the, the site still are under ministerial ownership. There is a commitment there which is demonstrated in the recent publication of the sustainable tourism practices by the Burn and Cliffs of Moher UNESCO Geopark, the development of a sustainable tourism mandate about how the sites are managed from a footfall perspective and based upon that I think there's a minimal risk of any adverse effects on the island. The island as we know today is not the same island in terms of acreage or size as it was back in the mid-twenties. Why is that? So the island actually shrank a little subsequent to the establishment of the Shannon Scheme and the construction of the hydroelectric station at Ardna Crusha. And one of the consequent effects of that, and it's still visible today when you visit the island, is a very shallow table that extends for about 20 to 25 metres out into the the lake itself which is the original shoreline level of the island prior to the the, the Shannon scheme so it's a very very little interesting uh, side cut I suppose of a, a section of modern industrial heritage having an impact on an area of very very deep significant heritage going back well over a millennium and uh, as I said the bathymetry is uh, it is quite interesting to have a look at and I haven't come across something similar certainly not in an Irish context before. The project in Mount Shannon will be an enormous addition to Clare County Council's tourism portfolio and will bring many benefits to the popular village and East Clare. Stephen Hanley is General Manager of Clare Tourism East, which incorporates a large area. East Clare would cover South East Clare to North East Clare and all the way from Mount Shannon down as far as the Bunratty Estuary. So it takes in some of the main um, well-known sites in the country, which would be uh, Bunratty Castle, Craig and Owen, which pretty much every child has been to in the country, and of course Napole Castle, which is like the younger sister really to Bunratty in terms of its medieval status and the fact that it does banquets there, etc. So we're just adding a little bit on to each one of them. I suppose enhance each one of the sites, just make them a little bit more community friendly, get the community involved in all of the sites and of course make it much more marketable because the better they are, the more likely you are to get better footfall to the, the regions. And on top of all this, as if you hadn't enough to be doing, yep. Innes Caltra, Holy Island, that is hugely exciting. Inish Caltra is going to open in three different stages. So first and foremost, we've got the rectory, which is already in Mount Shannon. So that's going to open up with a small little visitor centre, museum and a cafe. Then you're going to have the island itself. So we're going to, naturally enough, you'll come, you'll park up maybe at the gardens and the rectory. You'll make your way down to the harbour in the harbour. Then you'll be uh, shipped over to the island and you can take the long route or the, or the short route and kind of contained within that. Now, there's a lot still to come. Look, but you already at the monastery and you've got the burial grounds. So a lot will come out. So just kind of watch the space. We're really just at kind of the as a stage of infancy with uh, with Holy Island, but watch the space. It will be kind of in about two years' time. Hopefully, when we're looking at completion. It will be a magnificent product, and again another string to the bow of Clare tourism. Stephen, we have of course a North Clare, the Cliffs of Moher, with the Vanderer Wall Gardens in Kilrush as well. This is, as you say, another string to the bow. How important will this 
project be to East Clare, do you believe? It's going to be very important because Mount Shannon has suffered a lot commercially in, in recent years in the closure of hotels, etc. Sometimes by default, the success of a facility will benefit the rest of the maybe lesser performing or, you know, it could be a confidence issue. There could be a lot of concerns up in Mount Shannon that would uh, simply be fixed, you would almost think, if all of a sudden you could see, okay, there's now a lovely tourism product, visitors are coming in spades, there's a lot more than that we would have anticipated. We need to get these hotels open. We need to kind of get more restaurants open, etc. So almost by default, by doing something like this, you're giving a little bit of encouragement and confidence to the town, you know, the local urban setting, and hopefully that will force almost a lot more doors to open, uh, a lot more visitor numbers on the streets, which are going to benefit the local retailers and cafes, etc. So it's going to have a huge impact up there. But in about three years' time, I'd say once it's all completed, it really will be something that the people of Mount Shannon will be able to look back on and say, yeah, that was a, a project well worthwhile. I'm not sure whether putting a centre like that in another area would have worked or whether that was even considered. Mount Shannon is a perfect place for this Mount centre. Shannon is absolutely perfect. Everyone knows Mount Shannon, everyone knows Loch Derg, everyone knows Inish Caltra. So straight away you're in a great place. As well, if you look at your, say, some of the other tourism hotspots around the country, they all have a nighting kind of in the middle that everyone is aware of. Say, take Killarney, it might be Muckrus or whatever, say, Powers Court over in Wicklow. So I think Mount Shannon's already on that map. So you don't have to kind of recreate a brand for it because it's already there, it's acknowledged. So it's really up to the council on how good a product that they deliver in terms of Mount Shannon because the people of Mount Shannon are welcoming of it. And the bottom line is that Mount Shannon is ready for this because it is a tourism product anyway. And it's been going back for decades like this. So it's just a case of just adding a little bit more onto it and hopefully the, it will have great benefit for the town. But Mount Shannon is a ready-made product, so it's a case of just putting it in there, selling it properly, marketing it properly, and it will work. One of the biggest tourism areas in the country is Killarney, probably our biggest competitor. We need K to compete K Killarney, well, maybe one of the chief differences is that the, the centre of activity, says the shared services, the council, etc. There's a much more determined and designated workforce are committed to tourism in Clare. Clare has an awful lot of things that Kerry doesn't have. Obviously, it's got a motorway going through it, cities of both north and south at the entry points into it. It's got the coastal side, the seaside, it's got the, it's got the industrial side. It's got absolutely everything. I think Clare just needed a, a bit of a shake. You know, like maybe it was just a confidence issue. I don't know, but certainly the investment that's there. I'd be very surprised if Clare wasn't at least up there with Kerry. Now, you're not going to match the likes of Killarney because it's got 60 hotels and, you know, there's probably only that amount of the whole of Clare but like they're also struggling you know many of their their beds are now gone I think there's about 11,000 less people uh, per day in Killarney because 5,000 beds are gone off the map so they're now gone gone over to the government but from a pure product point of view I think that Clare would have it a little bit over Kerry in the sense it's got a lot of signature attractions uh, around the county that maybe are a little bit more natural in Kerry they just are there they're formed mountains lakes beaches etc Clare's had to put a little bit more work in but you know the work that the likes of Brent and O'Regan and those would have done in the past creating this masterpiece here in Bunratty you'd really say if this is the sign of things to come things are going to be very good in the future and of course these things don't happen overnight these will be works in progress but yeah will be big in time they, they will yeah there's, there's great momentum everyone is very serious about this uh, people are, are very keen to put the shoulder to the wheel 
It's a very proud people in Clare and I have absolutely no doubt that it's going to work. We don't even need another Brendan O'Regan or two because he's already set the template. It's a case of just honouring kind of everything that he had wanted to do, doing things well, doing things literally we're pulling the planes down from the skies, make it an uh, attractive market the place properly and if you get those few things right you're on the road to success. Coming up we'll be back in Mount Shannon and meet Tom Mackey, project manager for the Inish Cantra Visitor Experience and Clare County Council's Head of Tourism, Deirdre O'Shea. Welcome back to Atlantic Tales. Today we're in Mount Shannon on the shores of Loch Derg, where the old rectory, a period house dating from 1905, is being repurposed and extended to facilitate a new visitor centre for Inishkaltra, or Holy Island. Work on the project is well underway, and when completed, the new visitor centre will comprise a number of amenities, including an exhibition area that will interpret local stories and the island of Inishkaltra. Deirdre O'Shea is Head of Tourism with Clare County Council. Clare County Council acquired 41 acres of the island in June 2015. So with the extra acres that are there from the OPW, it's now in full state ownership. And subsequent to this acquisition, then Clare County Council led out on a visitor management and sustainable tourism development plan. So it's all been working along very much in a streamlined way. So that was 2017. Then we were successful in applying for Rural Development RDF Phase 2 funding from from the Department of Rural and Community Development in 2019 and that enabled us to do a detailed design on what we could do in terms of the island works and also potential visitor centre. So it's been progressing very well since then. In terms of that then the Clare Tourism Strategy was adopted in April 2021 and the whole context of the Clare Tourism Strategy is really to spread the benefits of tourism across the county throughout the seasons and in a way that enriches our communities while maintaining our distinctive identity and integrity for our landscapes. So what we're really seeing is that there is an, an increase in the whole area of experiential travel and slow tourism. So what we did then was we realised we need to accelerate this visitor attraction. It's no point in having the island sitting out in Loch Derg Lake but it not being interpreted. So our chief and Director of Service accelerated the purchase of the rectory, the old rectory in Mount Shannon, in 2021. That, I suppose, was able, what the, the, the commitment that, that was made there was that we were able to see that it's a vacant site and we could now convert this into a visitor centre and that's what we're working towards because really what we want to focus on if we're in line with the tourism strategy is the population decline in East Clare. We want to be able to bring that back to the livelihood that was there back in the 90s and we believe that we can do that. So by renovating an existing building, an existing vacant building, we then, our own uh, team member, Joan Termy, who coordinated this whole project, went for further funding. So after we did all the design works, went for further funding, and that was very successful application. And that enabled us to achieve a €5 million Euro investment in the old rectory site to convert it into a visitor attraction but also to do associated public realm works and wastewater treatment upgrades, all for the benefit of Mount Shannon Village. So 
While all of that is happening in construction and it's well under construction at the moment when you'll speak to the architect and the project manager, in the design side then of course we're in very sensitive areas with the island works. So that whole package, the island works, associated car parking and to future proof like an enhanced visitor centre which will be a long time away but all of that will go to on board Planala. So there's two projects in synchronisation basically, one to go to on board Planala but there'll be one in construction at the moment to have a visitor centre up and running and we're still in target to say by the end of 2024 that construction will be completed. A local authority purchasing an island, that yeah. is a huge commitment. But the story of Inish Caltra, Holy Island, has to be told. Exactly. It goes back, as we know, it's, it's one of the oldest ecclesiastical sites going back to the 6th century. And the interpretation is going to feed off on that. And quite pertinently as well, it goes back to the days of Brian Baru and Bale Baru has got links to that in Killaloo at the moment and other ecclesiastical sites in in Craigenown as well. So it's very fitting that it now fits in with the whole Clare Tourism East side of the attractions in terms of Bunratty, Napog and Craigenown because the interpretation that's going to be there will bring us right back, bring it all to life. But importantly as well, it's so much of a catalyst project that as we know, visitors don't see any county boundaries. This is a catalyst project, not just for Clare, but for Tipperary, for Galway, so much so that it is a key project on both the Shannon Tourism Master Plan that's been led out by Waterways Ireland and the Lochter Destination Experience Development Plan being led out by Falch Ireland for the hidden Ireland's hidden heartlands. So without all of those state agencies' involvements, we're also, we mentioned it goes back to the 6th century, we're very engaged with the National Monument Service, the National Parks and Wildlife, of course OPW is another um, partner on the island, but we couldn't do any of this without the engagement of the local community with our local representatives in Killaloo Municipal District as well as Mount Shannon Community Council and of course as I mentioned our neighbouring Tipperary and Galway County Councils so yes it has to be brought to life but I suppose my long-winded answer there was really to be able to tell you the importance of how what everyone sees around when it comes to all of the stakeholders involved. It's been sitting there for so long now. As you know yourself, as we all know, it's absolutely fascinating out on the island and so peaceful as well and tranquil. So yeah, it's to bring all that to life. Deirdre, people would argue that certain other tourist sites in the county have received larger numbers. Your plan is to ensure that larger numbers go into East Clare as well as West Clare. Exactly, exactly. And if we are to really implement the Clare Tourism strategy, it is to come away from what was perceived as being the silo tourism attractions it's very much coming away from that silo mentality working together number one to promote the destination as a, as a whole we have a grand very unique compact county that we should all uh, promote together and that would be the reason why you know behind the scenes we do things like to be a tourism in your or be a tourist in your own local county to get all our locals to be ambassadors for the local county but when it comes to the attractions our chief executive and director of service their vision is that the more the these attractions on board with Clare County Council is to raise the tide of tourism across the county so that it has the secondary spend for the associated cafes retail outlets and let's hope that it does generate investment for more tourism accommodation in these areas as well that have been under underutilized and underpopulated for so many years now. We do get a lot of tourists in East Clare and yeah. there is a lot for them to do and to see and the fact that smaller businesses like cafes are still going will suggest that they're doing well. They can do better. They can. The potential is absolutely there and we work with very much, we work with um, local tourism networks and even on the local tourism advisory forum where all of those networks across the county are represented 
The absolute answer is yes, there's more potential for tourism in Clare as opposed to, you know, the day trip spends. We need more overnights and that's a, that's a critical point for our county. We're well able to have the capacity for all of that because there is so much on offer when it comes to activities and attractions that feed off from the unique and vibrant economy in terms of uh, the landscape that we have in County Clare. And the potential from Tipperary, Galway, Limerick because Killaloo is kind of a crossroads in a way exactly. as would Mount Shannon because it's a route to Galway as well. Exactly and that's what we're realising as well like even the, the new bridge crossing in Killaloo it's going to be transformational for the towns of Killaloo and Ballina and we are very lucky in the way that our neighbouring counties work very well together in terms of cross promotion as well. So yes as you're right we can, we can definitely generate more national and regional visitors but especially to be able to sell Clare as a, as a destination abroad we are and that's we're underway at the moment we're strengthening that brand. This is only one project in the whole tourism product of Clare and Clare mm-hmm. County Council but this must be a very exciting one. It is a very exciting one I have to say Pat only been out there uh, again last week to see the scaffolding up around the old rectory site and to know that the design team are on project are on target to deliver on this. It's very exciting for even the likes of me to go out and visit but it must be so much so as well for the local community to know that this is all in everyone's interest is to generate this stimulus really for the local village because it all has a knock-on effect. The project includes the repurposing of the old rectory in Mount Shannon as well as wastewater optimization and public realm works in the area. There are several firms involved in the development, all led by project manager Tom Mackey from Tobin. We originally were commissioned by Clare County Council back in 2021 and we we started work I think in, in September 2021. Primarily on this rectory site, we got involved in 2022 um, and we're part of a, a bigger team. So we're, we're project managers, we're leading the team. Um, on the team, we would have a kind of a diverse, experienced team, including McCullough Mulville, who are the architects on the project, and McCutcheon Halley, who are planning consultants, Maliki Walsh and partners look after kind of civil, structural, environmental design. There's a big interpretation element to the final product and tandem design are the specialist consultants looking after after the interpretation piece and they're also supported by Amy and Design Works and Cognizance. So in addition to that then we would have Claire Walsh, Archaeology, Ages Safety and Mitchell Associates who look after the landscaping. So it's a wide team so we're coordinating and leading that team in the delivery of the, of the project. I suppose works on site. Initially when, when the site became uh, part of the scope it was vacant at the time. It had been recently occupied so we had to come in and do a condition survey and get a feel for the site and the building and how it might work with what we're trying to deliver. So I suppose we've been working through concept design, detail design, tendering a contractor and now obviously we're we're on site in construction stage. Your first day then, Tom, on site. What kind of condition was the building in, first of all? The building was in relatively good condition, actually. Structurally, very sound. So we're trying to limit the amount of work we have to do with the building itself, and we're trying to bring it back to maybe some of its original glory, and as well as the site, obviously. We're doing a lot of work on the site in terms of landscaping. So it was overall, it was in good condition. It was in good condition. We did a condition report on all architectural, civil, structural elements and that kind of informed then how we were going to progress with the, with the design. The job is a small bit easier when the main structure you're working on is in good condition? It definitely helps, yeah, it definitely helps. I think the less interventions we have to do to an existing building, the better, so, so that definitely helps, yeah.
of course, it's all about keeping the character of the building because this is historic. People in the area know it so well and you want to keep the old rectory as people remember it. Correct, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where McCullough Mulville architects come in. They're very experienced working in protected structures and conservation architecture. So we're trying to maintain as, a, as much of the original building and bring parts of it back to, to replicate what it might have been when it was originally built. So like in terms of what the project involves, I suppose we're, we're repurposing the original 1905 rectory building and we're also adding an extension to the rear of the building to facilitate that in interpretation flow in the final product. There's also extensive um, site works including hard and soft landscaping, outdoor seating. We're going to provide a link into Ashter Park here which will benefit both and, and allow for ease of, of access and movement with visitors and also a link down to the harbour, pedestrian link from the site in the building down to the harbour which again will aim to kind of ease movement for, for visitors on the site. The final product itself, I suppose, on the ground floor, we're looking at a kind of a reception area, an in interpretation offering dinner over three spaces. And then upstairs, we're introducing a new cafe, kitchen, staff offices and welfare facilities. So I suppose downstairs really will be the jewel in, in the delivery of the project. The interpretation offering will offer a historical journey through Loch Derg and the island, the history of Mount Shannon, and the themes and topics layered throughout the exhibition to create a holistic narrative. And the key topics, I suppose, will be Mount Shannon Linen Village, Mount Shannon Local Community, conservation and preservation, natural and cultural heritage, and history and folklore. So. That's the kind of teams that we're looking to deliver here ultimately when we're finished. So where are you now, we'll say we're into the first week of February, where are you now with the project? So we're, we started in November, so we're about uh, three, four months into the project. The overall construction period is 12 months, so we're aiming to be complete in November 2024. The importance of ensuring that what you're doing with the building and with all the landscaping as we overlook Loch Derg, that's hugely important, that you have to get this right. This yeah. is going to be so visual and hopefully thousands of people visiting here every year. Oh, 100%, yeah, yeah. And I think, listen, the, the ex ex expertise of the team we have on board came through. The design kind of is trying to maximise the views over the lake. It's going to maximise the site. There'll be a large extent of landscaping, as I said. The cafe will be supplemented by outdoor seating areas, which will give views onto the lake. And as I said earlier, the connectivity then between the site, Ashter Park and, and the harbour will be key. The weather today, misty, a bit chilly, and the lake is lumpy, as they say. Does the weather play a big role in what you can and can't do? It can do. On this site, it wouldn't have as big an impact because a lot of our work is inside. The building is relatively weather tight. Obviously, we're doing work on the roof, so that would be impacted by weather. But all in all, any works inside the building can, can proceed. Obviously, externally, will happen towards the end of the job, so we'll try a veil of the good weather in the summer to, to do that works. Coming up, Valerie Mulvan from McCullough Mulvan Architects will tell us more about the project in Mount Shannon and the work her company is doing. Welcome back to Atlantic Tales. Inniscaltra, or Holy Island, on Loch Derg in East Clare, is one of Ireland's best-known and most significant monastic sites. Having taken 41 acres of the island into public ownership in 2015, Clare County Council then acquired the old rectory building overlooking Mount Shannon Harbour, Scariff Bay and Loch Derg. 
The building, which is almost 120 years old, is being transformed into a mainland visitor centre, interpreting the monastic site and its surroundings. It's expected that in time, Mount Shannon and East Clare will benefit significantly from the development, but managing visitors is a particularly important part of the project. A highly skilled, multidisciplinary team, including McCullough Mulvin Architects, is currently engaged in works on the site in Mount Shannon. Valerie Mulvin. The project was about the idea of taking on board the sort of the sustainable tourism kind of agenda, if you like, managing visitor numbers and finding a good way to, I suppose, rebalance tourism so that East Clare, which will, we know, get more tourists as time goes on, so those tourists are properly managed and we can, we can look at them within the bigger picture of how to balance them between, say, the Cliffs of Moher and those kinds of facilities and to, to show people the, the benefits of coming, I suppose, to East Clare and to Loch Derg. The site was identified. What did you see when you arrived first on site? Well, I suppose the things that really fascinated us about this project and the reason we wanted to do the project was the island itself and the whole thing of trying to just look at the ruins. I had visited the ruins many times. We used to go on holidays to Loch Derg years and years ago. So I had a kind of a, a sentimental attachment, if you like, to the idea of the monastic ruins on the island. And myself and my husband, Neil McCullough, we were really interested in getting involved in this. We have a long history of looking at the vernacular buildings of Ireland, all the monastic buildings. We wrote a book published in 1987 called A Lost Tradition. It was a very important book, I believe, in terms of other people's view of it. But it was really a book about um, trying to explain the amazing ruins and the amazing facilities we have around us, which perhaps in the middle and late 80s weren't as much appreciated as they are now. And what's lovely about a project like this is that it gets people to, first of all, the excitement of getting to an island. where So it's, it's kind of magical. You're like an island out in the middle of a lake. Huge, fantastic. Full of water, full of greenery, full of birds and all of those things. And the excitement of being involved in a project which is about helping to interpret people's expectations and experience of the island, giving them a bit of the background of the history, and then uh, being involved in how do you get people out to the island, how do you manage them around the place, because people have visited Inishkaltra since the very early days, since you know the days that the monks went there to create a place apart. So I suppose if you think of how the island was considered, there were all of the pilgrim paths were there, all of the monastery uh, ruins, so the, the churches, the, tower, the round tower, and all of that is a kind of a fantastic landscape, very unique and probably unique in Europe now that we have these wonderful, very still, peaceful, serene places of great spirituality. And just a great, you have a great sense there when you're there of being in the middle of a lake and being in touch with nature. So we were very excited by that when we arrived. We looked at the site for this. We were very interested by the fact that this was an old rectory, the building that we're now uh, doing some work to. And the rectory itself had recently been overhauled, if you like, and had been, I suppose you would say, it had been done up perhaps a bit unsympathetically. What, we've do what we're now doing is we're returning it to what it was. In other words, one of those lovely, modest buildings that are so much a feature of the Irish countryside, where you have lovely churches and, and rectories all thought about as a kind of a relationship together. This one here has a very nice relationship to the village, but it also has this lovely relationship to the lake. So from the first floor, you can see out 
to Inishkaltra, you can see the round tower. And there's a lovely connection there, which I think we were very keen to foster. So there's kind of two parts to this project. There's the refurbishment of the Mount Shannon Rectory, which is, if you like, beginning to deal with looking at managing numbers. So as part of this, we'll be putting in a car park discreetly located within the village itself. We're very keen that the village is very much a part of this whole development and that this isn't something that's just parachuted in. So it's very important to us that the facilities that are within the town and Mount Shannon itself, which itself is a lovely linen village, very important from from its origins. That's something I've spent a lot of time studying myself is the origin of towns in Ireland. So that's another point of of great interest to us. And the idea that when you arrive, you you park your car, you get off a bus or whatever, you get off your bicycle or wherever you're coming from, that you have a way down to the rectory building and then you have a way of getting to the island from you know on a boat so that's part one of the project if you like and the second part of the project which is very much part of the whole visitor experience and the whole plan for sustainable tourism that Clare County Council have which is to do with as visitor numbers increase there is a plan to add a new visitor centre closer to the shore closer to the harbour And some of the facilities we can have in the rectory, we don't have enough space, for example, to do research into the wildlife and the flora and fauna that exist here. But that will be available in the new visitor centre. So there's a whole centre for, say, looking at white-tailed eagles and all of the other research things that are going on. As well as that, there'll be a much larger cafe. At the moment, we're making a little cafe here, which is on the first floor. So you'll have a lovely relationship looking out over the lake. You'll also have an outside part to that cafe. And that'll have about 35 seats in it. So obviously you'd like you'd, you'd like to think that it'll become a more popular thing and there will be more than 100 seats in the new cafe when that finally is finished. Now that's a long way down the road. We're doing what we're calling a Part 10 application at the moment to onboard Planola and that involves taking the environmental and the, the whole assessment of all of the impact of, of putting in new facilities like this, like car parks, like increasing numbers and properly managing how people are, are going to conduct themselves when they arrive, when they get to the island and how they go around it. So for example, if you think of the island, if you have an increased numbers of people coming, we want to make sure that what we're doing is totally sustainable. So we're not putting in a huge sewage treatment plant or anything like that. This is all a very, very small facility. It's So the if you like, the balance of where visitors are being helped to understand the whole context of Inish Caltra and the island, uh, so there's a whole interpretive side to it. Part one of that will be already in the, in the rectory but when we get to do the new centre it'll be a bigger, more immersive kind of experience. So there may be people who don't want to go to the island at all, they just want to come and learn about the monks and they will be able to do that without having to go out to the island. Or you may not be in a, you may be in a wheelchair, or you may be a little bit more unable to, to visit, you know, steep slopes and things yeah. like that. How important is it to you and the team that you research the local area, research the history of this building mm. before mm. you get stuck in? Even as part of planning now, it's one of the great, I suppose, things that have happened in planning over the last say 20 years is that as part of your planning application when you're dealing with say a protected structure that the the whole historical appraisal has to be done so we've had great fun looking at the history of the rectory looking at how it fitted into the village looking at the village itself and all of the kind of attributes that go with it and so that kind of research is incredibly important to everything that we do we're a grade one conservation architect so we're very very interested in all of this as well and doing it properly and recovering the the proper fabric of things now all the work that we're doing in the rectory will be involved in in using the most appropriate conservation techniques to bring it up as much as we can to an energy rating so it's improved 
removed. But we're using things like lime mortar. We're using, we've found a brick that is a very good match because we're building a small extension at the back of the rectory itself, which will house the interpretive aspect of the first stage, if you like, of the visitor centre. I noticed as well you have taken some brick and some roof part, but they're all doored very carefully and yes. numbered. They're for reuse. Yes, I as much it. as we can, we're, we're reusing. We really want to, and, and it's a very important part of conservation, is that you're looking after the fabric. So the importance of the fabric, that the original fabric, wherever you have it, this is something that's disappearing all over the country. Every time you go into a, a country town, beautiful country town, and you look up at the upper floor windows and half of them have been replaced with plastic, that drives me mad because what we really want is for people to take on the material characteristics of all of the towns and villages we have. They've beautiful plaster, lovely old windows, beautiful shop signs, lovely facilities which give us what you might describe as the real context for who we are and what we are. Like if we go to Spain or Portugal or France on our holidays and you look at these lovely old towns, the things that we're looking at are the things that we already have here. And sometimes we've forgotten that. So when people say to you, oh, that plaster is very old, do you not think we should take it down and start again? No, actually, you should be hanging on to, we should be hanging on to as much as we possibly can. So if you have a brick building like the rectory here, what we'll do is we'll very gently clean it. So we'll clean off any mosses and funguses and whatever that have grown on it. We'll clean them off very gently. We're putting back the what would have been the original timber up and down sash windows, but we're putting in a very slimline double glazing. So we're trying, we're taking the opportunity of the work to try and bring the building as much as we can up to an energy rating that gives it just a better, it's a better use of energy. So I think as we're refitting things in our towns and villages around the country, that's something that's a very important part. And there are grants available for all this which, which help people do it. But it's a very, very important thing that we take on what's there. And as you say, we've got stacks of slate, we've got stacks of brickwork where we've got, say, an opening that has to be made or refurbished. All of that is there. All the timber work is being repaired and, and, and kept. So all the timber floors, we, we're keeping all of those and just bringing them up to speed. Like um, there would have been uh, things that a lot of extra bathrooms were put in, we're taking those out and returning it back to what it would have been a very modest, beautiful building sitting in the countryside. And how exciting a project is it for you and your team knowing that it's going to be so important to a local community and the wider area of East Clare? I think that's hugely important. It's really exciting to us because I suppose as we work on things, the things that we're interested in is making something that's really stitched back into the local community because there's no point otherwise. Like parachuting in new things doesn't really work. Somebody has to take them on. People have to love them. People have to want to be part of things. We've had several very helpful information sessions with everybody in the local community. So everybody's aware of what's going on. We've taken as many questions as we can. When we didn't know the answers, we went off and found them and, and gave them back to the community steering group. That to me is tremendously important because a project like this relies on people here to keep it going. Like we, we work in, and live in Dublin, but we work all over the country. We love coming back and seeing things like five, ten years after we've built them. But the fact is that somebody has to keep it all going on the ground and take it on. And Clare County Council, as much as anybody else, are really, really very invested in that, making sure that everybody locally has a say, understands what's going on. And wherever we can use local services, local uh, building materials and so on, we're doing that. So the windows, for example, all the windows were taken out years ago and replaced with PVC windows, which are not very 
very sustainable. They're all coming out, but we're putting back in new windows which are being made locally. And that's terribly important to us. It's because it's important, not just because it's, it's to do with local people, but also if you think of our sustainability credentials. If you don't have to bus the windows from Galway or Limerick, it's much, much better that they're coming locally. They've less distance to travel. There's less petrol or diesel wasted on the roads. It's trying to think about everything in a sustainable way from beginning to end. So you're really trying to think holistically about how this project is going to work and embed itself in the community. Is that something you take on board and consider from day one of yeah, your involvement with totally, the project? Totally, it is. And, you know, when, when you asked at the beginning how did we, how did we come upon this project, the things, say, for instance, when Clare County Council would have put out the bid for, for doing the project, one of the questions they would have asked was, well, how would you go about this? What kind of methodology would you use? So right from the very beginning, we had to think about, we had to come and visit and immerse ourselves in the site to think about that. One of our team is the interpretive specialist Tandem, and they've been looking at the whole story of everything from, from the monks, the Vikings, the, the linen, the whole thing. It's all been thought about. And I suppose from the point of view of thinking about how all these things go together that's tremendously important to us that it is something that really grows out of the out of the conditions that are here so when we start we start right into thinking about that like what is it and and from the knowledge that we would have you know as architects who've been looking at vernacular buildings for the last 40 years ever since we left college actually that's tremendously important to us because at the time that we did we did leave college there was an awful lot of dereliction around the country there still is a lot of dereliction in our towns for instance i'm just going to say i think it's really important in terms of towns like mount shannon that people live in them again so i've seen one or two people have taken on these lovely old buildings and they're living in them again with their families that's wonderful and instead of just building a new estate somewhere but that we take over the existing things that's been something i've been very passionate about since i started college or started practice indeed so yes we we start thinking about that at the very very beginning of a project that's what excites us about it sustainability very important to you and the project but biodiversity as well particularly on this site where you're working at present in mount shannon yeah it's tremendously important to us as a team we have a very good landscape architect on the team who was part of the original group who made the feasibility study for the management plan for the island and for the and for the visitor center now when you look at the island there's the whole thing about what are the plants that were there uh, where are the pilgrim paths we've done lidar we've done geophys we've done all of those kinds of surveys we've very good archaeologist part of the team as well and between the archaeology the landscape architect and ourselves we've looked at the minimal impact that we would get in terms of not disturbing the biodiversity now you have to get that balance quite carefully right so for example there is a certain amount of grazing on the island we have to make sure that that continues in a certain way because otherwise things will not maintain themselves in the proper way but even on this site on the rectory site itself you can see there's a number of beautiful trees you know there's a landscape that's here already we've uncovered things like the bit that might have been the original tennis court we found that just by looking at the contours and looking and finding we found steps underneath uh, the grassland and so on that was there so it's something where it's all part of the kind of the thing of trying to get the balance of this right so the trees are all being preserved we're looking at the management of some of the trees which have become a little dangerous we're looking at how they're going to be properly managed and it's all gone through the lens of the landscape architect who's working with us so even looking at where our pathways are going to get up to the rectory we're avoiding the tree roots the canopies are determining where the root protection zone is so we've done a tremendous amount of work in trying to make sure that all of that kind of hangs together.